Welcome to the 3D Parent Podcast. My name is Bevan Walters, your host and founder of The 3D Parent. I'm a certified parent coach and have spent the last decade living my calling in life, helping parents navigate the tough stuff like tantrums, sibling conflict, screen time overload, and managing the transition into the teenage years. My purpose is to provide you with the tools you need as a parent to lead with dignity, direction, and deep connection in your family relationships. My goal in creating the 3D Parent Podcast is to inform, empower, and increase confidence in parents so they can trust their instincts and make the best decisions possible for their families. For these reasons, I've rated this podcast FPEO for parents' ears only. Parenting is challenging, but you don't have to do it alone. Hello, and welcome back to the 3D Parent Podcast. I am so glad to be talking to all of you today. This is the first podcast that I have recorded since we have all kind of accepted our new reality of being home and keeping our family safe and healthy while the pandemic is out there. I have my four children home, as well as my husband, all working and schooling under one roof. There's been some great high highs and some low lows during that time, to be honest. But overall, we're getting into a groove and things are plugging along pretty well until, gosh, almost a week ago, I got very sick, not with a virus, but with an infection. I'm doing better now, but it took me completely out of the picture there for a few days until I got some medication on board and turned a corner. We were in full-on survival mode during those days, but I'm on the mend. I'm feeling better again and able to jump right back into the routine. And that's kind of what I'm talking about today on this podcast is kind of looking at what we're doing, our daily routines that people are setting up for their families. I have spent a lot of time over the last several weeks kind of making little minor adjustments to the routines that I set up initially, and they're working great. And so I'm going to share with you some insights into how to make a flexible and low stress home learning and, you know, routine for your family. Now, the way that in which different people are approaching homeschooling, home learning, it's really varying. And it varies based on uh, state by state, by school by school. Some schools have full-fledged remote learning up and running, and it is going great. Other schools um, have just given optional assignments to their families and they can't require remote learning because it is not possible for all children to have access to not only the equipment, the computers, the Wi-Fi, but also families who are still working and not available to provide this home learning for their children and supervise their remote learning because they're you know working in the grocery stores, they're working in the medical fields and cannot provide that for their children. So it's deemed inequitable. It's a huge problem that many different districts, as I said, are managing it differently. And then there's some schools that are basically providing the regular as much as possible, education, and the kids are basically in front of their computers during a regular school day, and the teachers are live streaming lessons, and then there are other students who are receiving lessons kind of in a Google Classroom or emailed, and the kids kind of just send back the material 
at the end of the day or end of the week to get credit for it. So it's working for different families in different ways. Um, other families are kind of just creating their own system. They're just kind of creating their own way. They're pulling together their own home learning curriculum, kind of trying out this homeschooling idea. And uh, many people are enjoying it. Other people are finding it highly frustrating, particularly juggling that with those who are able to work from home, which of course is something that is very fortunate for people who do have jobs still that allow that amount of flexibility. But juggling that along with supporting children and their learning can be really challenging. I'm definitely feeling some of that myself, as is my husband. In our household, my older two kids are pretty much independent. They're being able to get assignments from their teachers, interact with their teachers. Some things are live streamed. Other things are just assignments they do and turn in. And that's working out pretty well for them. Uh, my two younger kids, one who's in first grade and the other is in pre-K, they receive assignments and then I have to kind of help execute them. And it's not a ton of work. We can get it done pretty quickly, but I have just found a way to kind of break it up throughout the day with other things in our daily routine that I'm going to be sharing with you today. So as I said, I'm going to be covering this setting up a flexible daily routine that I think could be really successful for kids no matter what age level they are, what grade they're in, or how old they are, from preschool all the way through high school. I will share tips to help troubleshoot areas that have been common problems for families that I'm hearing about either through my clients or friends or what people are posting over social media. And then I'm also going to talk a little bit about uh, supporting your children in their social lives. They're, you know, wanting to connect with their peers, their friends, when they're home on quarantine and shelter in place um, orders um, have come out. And for that part, I'm going to bring out a special guest. I figured since I have my kids home, I might as well um, give them the opportunity if they wanted, and my son did want, to come on and talk about this topic with me. So that will be kind of towards the end of today's podcast. So first, the schedule, the routine. So I'm sure like all of you, kind of the night before, the day before, we all kind of jumped in on this home learning routine. For those of us who did, um, we saw all over social media different people's versions of their schedules. And they were really impressive. But frankly, most of them stressed me out because they were so regimented. And that's just not the kind of brain that I have. But some people are just driven that way. And their children really respond well to that, where like every 20 minutes or 30 minutes are counted for, they're color coded, they're very much time bound. That's, you know exactly what's happening from 9 to 9.25, then from 9.25 to 10 o'clock and so on. Every single portion of the day is spelled out. I even had some friends that dressed their kids in their school uniform because I figured, hey, structure routine, they're used to this. And if that's what you're doing with your schooling at home and it's working for you, fantastic. Keep it up. There's no wrong way to do this universally. You need to do what works best for your family. And if you're really type A and organized and orderly and that's working well for you, great. Go with that. If you've tried to start going that direction, you're finding that it's backfiring and it's not working and you need more flexibility, my system might be a better fit for you. Or if you haven't really tried anything specific yet and you're just kind of like constantly shooting from the hip, maybe it would help to have some type of order or structure. And the way I'm going to suggest you setting up a routine is by using sticky notes. This is kind of the concept I came up with when I was looking at these 
schedules that stressed me out. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's way too much structure and order for me and too much rigidity. I needed some more flexibility, just knowing my own kids and knowing me. And I knew I just, I needed to have that, the ability to move things if possible. So I created the idea of putting sticky notes and I put them up on a cabinet door in my kitchen and they're different colors. You don't have to use different colored sticky notes and you don't even need to use sticky notes. You could also just cut up different colored pieces of paper and tape them to a cabinet. But the point is to be able to move them so that if you have them in a certain order and during the course of the day, let's say you're doing a certain activity block and the kids are really into it. Well, why not let them do it longer? If they're really engaged, great. That's one of the really wonderful benefits of having your kids home and doing this homeschooling kind of dynamic is that you can allow kids to spend longer and activities are very engaged with. Why would you stop the learning? Why would you stop the play? Why would you stop the exploration? Similarly, if they start working on something and it's not engaging them and they're not into it and they're not focused, then you can quickly move on to the next thing. So there's been some days that I've kind of reordered things midway through the day because something took longer than I had anticipated. So, oh, they're gonna need a snack sooner. So I just moved my little snack sticky note higher up so that we'd be able to have that happen. And similarly, there've been times when things have not gone well and we've moved kind of quickly through the, the morning, for example, and it's not lunchtime, but that was the next thing on the schedule. Oh, I moved up chores and jobs above, and we kind of changed things around a little bit. So the flexibility for me has been key, and it's worked out great for my kids. My seven-year-old really likes routine and structure. It's structured enough for her. She checks at the schedule. She looks to see what's coming next. She sometimes asks questions about what we're doing different blocks. She likes to kind of know what's going on. It provides enough structure for a kid that's wired that way. My pre-K daughter, she doesn't really care. She kind of goes with the flow and she is completely content with the way that we've been ordering things. She doesn't need to know what's coming next. She just follows, you know, her big sister and what, what I kind of direct her to do. And that's been working out really well. So what to have in the on these sticky notes, basically the basic categories. There are basic categories that I suggest for these are seven different things. And I'll read through them really quickly and then I'll talk about each in a little bit more depth. Technically it would be eight categories, but it's because there's two academic learning blocks. So the first is two academic learning blocks. I would put one in the morning and one maybe after lunch. A creative time block physical activity block, your snack blocks, so breakfast, snacks, lunchtime, a read aloud time, chores, jobs, outdoor time, and that's it. So those are the different generalized blocks of time. So in the academic learning block, in the two academic learning blocks, this is where you would slot in any work that's assigned by teachers. And this is really the way I'm describing right now is really what I'm thinking about in terms of the elementary school or even preschool age child. So if you're getting work assigned or suggested by a teacher, this is where you'd fit it in. If you don't have anything to go off of, then hop online. There are thousands upon thousands of resources. I'll put a couple of my favorite resources in my show notes if you don't know where to look. But basically, go there find a couple of worksheets, a couple activities, things that kind of are more of the academic nature according to your child's grade level their, or their ability level is. But to keep it real simple, read something, write something, and do some math. That's as simple as these learning blocks need to be. Read, write, 
do some math. That's as hard as it has to be. It does not need to be super complex. You don't have to take on huge projects unless that's something that your kids are really interested in or something that you think would be fun. You could make it really simple. Read, write, math. That's what you plug into those academic learning blocks. Or again, if you have material provided by your teachers, that's where that would fit in as well. The second activity block I mentioned was creative time. So this is going to be anything that fits into creativity, drawing, painting, singing, dancing, playing instruments, uh, sewing, embroidering, knitting, uh, building with Legos, cooking, any types of general crafting, grabbing out those Amazon packages, which maybe are coming more frequently than they have in the past and let your kids make something out of them, forts and whatnot. Kids love being creative. And this is giving them an opportunity to play. And this is so essential for kids of all ages, the opportunity to play, to create, so that they can kind of express themselves. Uh, there's so many great resources out there also to give ideas. My favorite by far is the little doodle videos that author Mo Willems has been putting up every day. Um, if you haven't checked those out, I really suggest you do. These have been a big hit for my um, two little girls. The next activity block, physical activity. Obviously, kids need to move, and this is a great way to kind of break up the day, to give them a brain break. There are great videos, again, uh, yoga videos, kid workouts that you can find online. You could make a little um, obstacle course for your kids inside the house, or if the weather's nice, of course, get outside. There's no reason why you cannot get outside to move your body and exercise. Um, so find ways to slot in physical activities throughout the day. And then the next activity block, like I said, was fitting in those meal times. Now, obviously, you're going to feed your kids, but it's helpful for them to look up on the sticky note schedule and know when, when the breakfast, when the snacks, when the lunch times are going to come, because then they don't need to be the broken record. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. When can we eat? I need a snack. If they know it's coming, oh, we're going to have snack time after we finish our learning block. Oh, lunch comes after we do our move our move our bodies block. They, they know when it's coming. They know it's predictable and they don't have to ask for it. They know it's coming. The fifth activity block, like I mentioned, is read aloud. A lot of times parents kind of reserve reading to their children for bedtime, and that's fantastic. Kids love being read to before they go to bed. It's a really nice connecting time. But now that we have so much time and so much togetherness at home, this could be a great thing to do during the day also, not just to kill time, but to expose your kids to books that might be maybe a bit more advanced than their current reading level. So for my uh, girls, I dug out The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I thought this would be a great book to expose them to. It's full of so much imagination, but it's a little bit more advanced than their reading levels or, you know, first grade and pre-K. So I actually will do this during snack time often where they'll be eating their snack and I'll be reading them The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And they're loving the story. They're loving finding out about Narnia. I'm enjoying hearing the story again, which I read, you know, so many times in the past. And it's just a great use of time and children really love it. Hey there, parents. Are you tired of feeling like your kids are in charge at home, negotiating, demanding, and generally calling all the shots? Well, then I have a free resource for you called 10 Steps to Get Back in Charge of Your Kids. Just click the link below to download your own copy. Let's get you back in the driver's seat. Six activity area I put on my routine block is chores. So um, yes, chores are part of everyday life, but now that we're home so much, we're messing up the house a lot quicker. And 
so having a part of the day where it's chore time and the kids just kind of like know that they're going to receive some type of assignment and I'll send them around on different, oh, pick up this area. Or yesterday I dumped out all the mismatched socks in a big pile and had my two little ones trying to match and sort socks. And that was a good use of time for chore time as well. The seventh activity uh, block for the schedule is outdoor time. So yes, this is kind of like a second physical movement, but maybe the first one was inside. Maybe you did a yoga video and you stayed indoors. If that's the case, you especially need to get outside at least once a day. We live in the Pacific Northwest and it is spring, which means that we have completely, you know, all of the place weather right now. One minute it is raining, the next minute is sunny. So we just try and take advantage of the times that it's not a torrential downpour, get outside, take a walk. We find sometimes areas that are flat where the kids can kick the soccer ball around, ride their bikes, or go to pocket beaches and the kids can get a chance to play on a beach that is, um, there's no one around except for us. And that's a really great use of time outside. So in terms of the sticky note schedule, I set it up every day for my little kids. But this is something completely that older kids, middle school and high school kids could do the same system. If this would work for your older child, my son, on the first day we were doing this, we created the sticky notes and he kind of put them where he thought they made most sense. He didn't have all the same categories, but he's pretty much doing all the same things, including some new creative hobbies that he's never tried before. Um, picking up instruments that my kids maybe haven't had a lot of time to play in the past or um, picking up new hobbies and skills, painting, embroidering, things like that. We have the time, and so they're kind of taking advantage of the extra opportunity to be able to be creative. But they also have a lot more work in academics, and so their days are pretty busy keeping those things in mind. So we're also trying to remind our kids that part of being healthy is getting outside and moving your body and also helping them recognize that they also have to be helping out and contributing to the family with chores and whatnot in those kind of areas. So that's the way I suggest coming up with a lower stress type of system than maybe you've tried, or maybe it's something you haven't tried yet and you could really benefit from having a, uh, a system that is flexible like the one I described. So give it a shot. So next I want to talk a little bit about troubleshooting common problem areas. One of them, it might seem kind of obvious, but I have not always done this, and I can always tell the mornings I haven't because I feel frazzled before the day's even started. And I've also heard from other friends that sometimes just like they're trying to manage their own emails that are coming in from their work, and their kids need to be directed on what to do with school, and they can't even find the right worksheet that they were supposed to print off. So my suggestion is to look what needs to be done the night before. Pull out all the academic stuff that you want your kids to be doing, or if you're going to get them going on a special creative project, get that all set out and organized the night before so you don't have to first thing in the morning be scrambling. Much like preparing to get out the door to go to school back in those days, um, one of my strategies was to prepare the night before the things you can. Same thing goes for this homeschooling routine. Do it the night before or before your kids get up if they're not super early risers that can really help. You also want to, when you all get up in the morning, I highly encourage everybody to get out of PJs and get dressed. If it's working for you guys to stay in PJs all day long and your kids are not struggling to kind of get down and do the academics, then great, it's working for you. 
For others, this could be the thing that kind of helps the brain go from vacation, weekend, lazy mode into, oh yeah, it's a school day. Oh, on weekends, we can stay in our PJs for you know the morning, but on a school day, that's right, I get dressed into regular clothes. So that's a suggestion that can really help your kid kind of go to the next phase in terms of being, you know, struggling with sitting down and doing some uh, academic work and actually feeling ready for it. Um, screen time. A lot of things that have been suggested are online activities and they're great and enriching and there's wonderful apps and online websites that are providing all kinds of great activities for kids. However, too much screen time, we all know, is not good, especially for young kids. So I suggest that you save the screen-based learning activities for later in the day. For our schedule, the morning learning block does not include any educational technology, no screens. And then the afternoon, it may include it. So it kind of depends on what we got done in the morning, what we have in the afternoon. Now, my kids like those online screen-based learning activities. And so they usually will kind of power through the paper stuff in the morning because they want to get to the screen stuff in the afternoon. And that's great. But if you get them on screens first thing in the morning and then you're going to try and pull them off to go read a book or pull them off to do a math worksheet, it might be harder to get them motivated because screens have such a strong effect on a child's brain and their focus. So I encourage you to put those towards the end of the day and definitely no kind of like entertainment play like just watching TV shows or YouTube videos just for fun during the school hour day. Definitely make that an after-school hour activity if that's something your family does. Another troubleshooting suggestion, when you don't know what your kids should be doing, when they got through your activities you planned that you thought would take them three hours and it took them one hour and you're like, now what? There's this educational saying that we use as teachers, uh, D-E-A-R, drop everything and read. Reading is always a good option. When I've talked to friends or I've interacted with friends who have, uh, with people who have um, homeschooled their kids, they report that their kids read a lot. I mean, hours and hours of independent reading. They read sometimes three or four or five hours straight. They plow through books. That is a really good thing and something that kids that don't do homeschooling don't have the luxury of doing. So we should kind of follow that lead and take a note that, oh, okay, maybe that's something that we could encourage our kids to do. It's never a bad idea to have your kids read when you don't know what to do next. Sit down and read. I mean, we teachers do this. Um, okay, it's a quiet reading time. You know, if something didn't go quite well, something ended really quickly, we have, you know, 15 minutes to kill. It's reading time. It's always a good option because the books, books can open kids up to so many different ideas and thoughts. You're increasing their vocabulary. It's just a really good use of their time. So I have this new motto now when I get stuck and don't know what to do, keep calm and read on. And I encourage you to try that as well. The next kind of troubleshooting topic and the last troubleshooting topic I want to bring up is to know when to take a break on the homeschooling, the home learning routine. If it's not working out and it feels like it's damaging the relationship between you and your child, forcing them to do their work or you're threatening them if they don't get their work done, if you're getting really short with your kids and it just finding that it's becoming a daily battle, it's time to stop. Because honestly, missing a day or a week or even a few months of academics is not going to have a lifelong consequence for your child. It's really not. But you know what might? A damaged relationship with their parents. 
and a breakdown of trust. So if you're struggling with your kids and they're, they're not following your lead, they're, they're not following your direction, stop. Don't make that be the focus for a little while. Instead, focus on reconnecting and connecting on a deeper level with your child. Play, get creative, watch movies, have a good time. That's far more important right now than getting through some common core curriculum. That can wait and kids will catch up. But your relationship, that is way more important. And so don't put your drive to try and be you know, the teacher right now, become more important or bigger or have, you know, more um, significance right now than your requirement that you be a loving and compassionate parent to your child. So then once you kind of have taken a break for a little bit and you feel like your relationship's a little stronger, you're reconnected, then try a little bit of academics again. Start small and kind of ease back into it again. So that could really kind of help if you're just finding that it's just a daily battle. Maybe you need a little break and then come back to it. And if you are in a school and a teacher has provided curriculum, communicate with the teachers. They understand right now, this is a very stressful time for everybody. So let them know things aren't going well. We're not going to be able to do school for the next few days. We'll check in with you and let you know how things are going. And if you communicate, that will feel make you feel like the pressure's off of it if you feel like you need to do so. And then spend the time making fun memories with your child and save the academics for a little later when things feel a little bit better between you. That's so important. I cannot stress that enough. Um, so... Now, like I said at the beginning, I wanted to take a minute to talk about helping social kids continue to have that outlet while they're home, while they're quarantining as we're all supposed to be right now. Right now, introverts, whether they're adults or children, they're having a moment. This is their time and things are comfy and nice and we are happy. I'm one of those. I've got a few of those in the household. And this is actually like a good time right now to be able to kind of not have the pressures of socializing and going out into the world every day and, you know, stress is kind of reduced a little bit. Anxieties are sometimes reduced, but that's for introverts. The other groups, the extroverts, they're slowly wilting. They're struggling right now because they have such a need to connect with other people and have real connections with people and they're not having as many opportunities to do so other than with family. And that's great. Connecting with family and the opportunity to connect more with family members right now, this is a real silver lining for what we're going through. But when kids have a lot of friends and a big drive to be social, um, there's some hardship that comes with that too. And the very most extroverted and social child in my household is my 13-year-old son, Scooter. So I invited him to come talk a little bit today about how he is meeting his super social and extroverted needs during this time. So Scooter, welcome to the 3D Parent Podcast. You're my first guest of the family. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So, Scooter, tell us a little about you, how old you are, and, and all that. I am Scooter Walters. I'm 13 years old. And what grade are you in? I'm in seventh grade. Okay. So, I brought you on to talk about how it is now, since you're a real social guy, you have a lot of friends, you love interacting with your peers, and you're not getting to right now. So how has that been feeling for you? It's been weird not seeing my friends every day at school. 
I've still been able to interact with them, but it's really not the same. Yeah. And how have you been interacting with them? What are the different ways that you've been staying connected to your peers, your friends? I've been using um, the Google Hangouts. Um, I've been texting. I've been calling, emailing, FaceTiming. I've been playing video games with my friends. Cool. Does that help? Does it, do you feel like you've had kind of gotten that need met after you've used those different technologies to connect with your peers? Yes, it does help a lot. And it feels really good to be able to still be able to talk to my friends, catch up with them, make sure they're doing okay. That's good. And then I know you're also interacting with your classmates, um, some at school, right? During the school day? Yes. How have you been doing that through school? I've been using it mainly Google, Gmail to interact with friends mm-hmm. during the school day. And do you do like your work together sometimes? Yes, we'll sometimes do homework together. We'll sometimes read books with each other. Oh, that's cool. Like take turns reading them out loud. Yeah. Just to get through them. That's a good strategy, especially if it's not the most interesting book, right? (laughs) And so, I mean, this is a really strange time. And what I was saying is that for kids who are more introverted and kind of quiet, this is no big deal. This to them actually feels kind of good. And for other kids like you who are really social and love interacting a lot with friends, this is hard. You feel kind of like a sense of loss almost. So, but now we've been at it here. This is like our third week since we've been doing this home schooling um are you getting used to it are you feeling like you're getting into a good vibe I feel like I'm almost there Mm -hmm. to getting into a nice routine it's a lot more work than I expected Mm -hmm. but I am slowly getting into a nice routine okay so do you think after all this like you're like hey maybe maybe I want to you know stop school and be a homeschooler or are you excited to get back to your your peers and friends and go back to school I am excited to go back to school. I don't think <laughs> I would be able to to do homeschooling long term. It makes me sad that I might not be able to see my friends until my eighth grade year. Yeah, it's possible. We don't really know what the future holds, but it's nice to know at least there's some ways that you can stay connected to them thanks to technology. And, you know, I'm liking having you around home more. And I think we had some good times too. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Okay. Ariel, thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing with us your insights, um, Scooter. Thank you. Okay. So now to wrap up this podcast today, I wanted to end up um, with kind of my last troubleshooting tip, which is basically to just accept that it's going to take some time to get into a home learning rhythm. I mean, now we're a few weeks into this. By the time you listen to this podcast, it's maybe been even a month since you've been into this. And so many of us are feeling like, okay, we're getting a bit of a hang of it, but it's still taking a lot of effort. It's not feeling as smooth as we maybe wish it had. Well, I found it very interesting to learn that from families who have moved their kids from traditional schooling to homeschooling, It takes on average about a month per year a child has been in traditional school to adjust to home learning. So for your kids who are, maybe they went to preschool for a few years and then they had kindergarten and first grade and third grade, they may have been in school for four, five, six, even more years. So if you take the number of years that they were in school and not homeschooled and 
think of that in terms of months, well, gosh, for some kids, it's going to take four, five, six months and so on to adapt to this new style for families to adapt to this new style of kids being home and learning at home while parents are home, all kind of sharing the same space. So you have to understand that this is not going to come overnight. It's not going to be easy to immediately be able to get your child and get your family into a routine that is going to work every single day. So give yourself some space, give yourself some grace, know that you're going to be making some mistakes along the way and having some bad days. Take those days off those breaks when you need it, because you probably will need it more often than not in the beginning. And we don't know how long this is going to stretch on for. So we have to be ready for the marathon and you might have to take a couple break days to make it through. So know that because this is so new and there's going to be some struggles, you might have to lower your bar and then lower it again and go easier on yourself and your kids. I know that some days are going to be better than others, but just keep breathing, check yourself, take care of yourself so that you can show up for your kids and know that you're going to make it through this. And in fact, in so many ways, I'm confident we will come out the other side stronger than we were before it started. So take care of yourselves and your families and stay healthy and safe. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to the 3D Parent Podcast. I hope it has provided you with the inspiration you need for building stronger relationships with your children and trusting your instincts when it comes to parenting. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered on the podcast, or if you'd like one-on-one parent coaching, head over to the3dparent.com and click the contact tab to send me your question. If today's discussion empowered your parenting, please be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and a review. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social media. So take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at the3dparent. I look forward to meeting you here again next week on the 3D Parent Podcast.